Welcome to the Compliance Expert Radio Show, your source for the latest information on corporate governance, internal audit, stocks and risk management services, with in-depth interviews, discussions and insights from leading experts. Hosted by Sonia Luna, CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum. This is the Compliance Expert Radio Show. And now, here is your host, Sonia Luna. I'm Sonia Luna, CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum, an internal audit and compliance consulting firm headquartered in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm also a speaker and writer on topics like COSO 2013, SOX 404, quality assessment reviews, internal auditing, and related topics. Today's interview is with Professor William Judge, and yes, I am going to call him Bill. Um, Professor Judge is the E.V. Williams Professor of Strategic Leadership at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. His areas of expertise are corporate governance, strategy implementation, and organizational innovation and change. He has published a, check this out, whopping over 100 articles and three books on these subjects and has served as a consultant in all three areas that I just talked about. In 2001, he was a U.S. Fulbright Scholar, so he definitely knows his stuff here and is very bright, in MGIMO University, Moscow, Russia. And in 2013, he was a Distinguished Visiting Scholar at Instituto de Empresa in Madrid, Spain. He earned an industrial engineering degree from Lehigh University, followed by an MBA and PhD degrees at the University of North Carolina. And Bill is currently engaged in a nationwide study of the director selection process for U.S. board seats. And this is how I became aware of Bill, because I actually met him when he was a great speaker at a recent uh, event here locally at the NACD chapter. Welcome, Bill. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, and I'm glad that we met um, a few months back, and I was uh, sitting in the audience listening to some of your research, and I said, oh, i got to have him. I really, he gets it in terms of corporate governance, and I saw some nuggets of, I, I call it my aha moments where, you know, you, you shared some, you know, obviously some uh, points in time, but it also uh, for me, what resonated the most is some key indicators of what the future might hold. So let's get into some of this um, studying that you've been doing in research. So what was the inspiration, first off, for studying the director selection process? And, and currently, what's the status of your research? Well, uh, I'm quite excited about this research project. Uh, my basic motivation for looking into this is I want to look at uh, research topics that are pressing importance to practitioners, yet theoretically interesting to academics. I, I think it's important to practitioners because, A, uh, most of your listeners know that most boards today are comprised of non-executive directors. Um, B, most boards are being asked to be more vigilant in their monitoring and service roles to the firm. And C, if the board doesn't have committed and capable non-executive directors, they just won't be effective. So uh, I think it's uh, important and instructive to understand how non-executive directors 
make their way onto the board. Uh, it's theoretically interesting to academics because there's very little systematic research that's been done on this process. Um, it's interesting because unlike uh, how executives are hired, non-executive directors, are they're invited to serve. They don't apply. So this raises this interesting conundrum in terms of, uh, so if you don't apply, how does one get on the board? And how does the firm become aware of their prospects and how do the candidates become aware of the firm? And then finally, there's this tension between uh, non-executive directors are expected to be independent of the executives, but they also have this duty of loyalty, which is often translated to being loyal to the executives. So how do these non-executives balance their loyalty to the firm with independent oversight? Uh, in terms of the – go ahead. No, I was going to say it, it, it's it's a uh, that loyalty aspect resonated with me just now because I was sitting with a board member um, who's a board member of a public company and and his thoughts were well, you know, I he got invited in terms of the selection process because the um, CEO was a former student, and long story short, um, the history of this company ended up that the board decided to fire him. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, the, but the loyalty was very clear to the board in this situation in terms of my opinion of you know it was shareholder value that they needed to to protect and it was very clear that certain objective measurements weren't being met by certain executives so it was a it was a easier decision uh, to to make from a, an objective standpoint for, but we are are human beings we were not like light switches you know turn on and off our emotions whenever we need to it's a, it's a tough um situation in terms of that loyalty aspect it is a difficult job and it's getting more difficult um and it's more and more in the fishbowl uh in terms of uh, uh regulator scrutiny and the press and i know you've had some programs about executive compensation and how you deal with cybersecurity and uh, directors are wrestling with all that. My basic idea is we need to understand how people get placed on this this very important institution within a corporation uh, so that boards can function better. So you also asked me about the current status of the project. Right now, uh, I've completed an institutional review board process within my university, uh, academics version of compliance. We need to comply with good practices so we protect the safety and uh, confidentiality of the people that participate. Uh, I've conducted interviews with three director recruiters and one public director so far, and I expect to complete all the interviewing process uh, within the next several months. Uh, So we're at the early stages of uh, data collection. Great. And and if anybody wanted to participate, is it too uh, far along that they couldn't ping you to try to um, participate, especially if they are currently serving on a public board? Absolutely. I would absolutely love that. And, uh, Basically, anyone who is currently serving on a on a public board that would be interested and willing to talk to me about the process by which they join the board, uh, I'd love to have them on the study. Fantastic. Hopefully, this will this will be a nice little plug. And I know our listeners 
would also appreciate um, what I call the nuts and bolts or practical advice um, on their interaction with the board of directors. So, for example, um, some of our audience uh, listeners are in the compliance space. Some of them have the title of what's called Chief Audit Executive, and they're supposed to be a direct line to the audit committee, right? And, and they do their board packet, mm -hmm. et cetera. But then there's this dotted line, right, the day-to-day -day operations to the CFO. Um, and what advice would you give them in terms of, you know, how to better interact with boards of directors? Well, I have two responses to that question. Uh, first and foremost, uh, uh, an essential role of the board is monitoring of the corporation, um, and boards need more compliance experts serving on it. And for that reason, um, auditors and compliance experts and IT experts, um, a lot of boards are looking for that kind of expertise. And so uh, the first very practical point would be uh, consider not only uh, uh, providing information and guidance to boards, but consider maybe joining a board in the future. Uh, in terms of interacting with boards, however, uh, I highlight uh, the following few points. First, uh, recognize that non-executive directors are walking a fine line between working with and being independent of top management. Uh, this is a really tricky balancing act. Uh, uh, basically, uh, very little happens in any working relationship without trust, um, but they also take the Reagan uh invocation to trust but verify. And so the attitude is I need to trust management, but I need to verify. And so uh, compliance experts are in a great place to help them be trusting of management, but also verifying that that trust is well-placed. Uh, secondly, um, a lot of people have the view that the boardroom is a place where some big important votes take place. Um, in my experience as a director and also in consulting with directors, um, they want to avoid votes at all costs. It's a much more subtle decision-making process. In general, uh, when the board doesn't like where the organization's going, they ask questions and then they ask more questions. So if you are a compliance expert making a presentation to a board, um, if they are asking you or management more and more questions, that's basically a signal that um, we have concerns here. Uh, third, uh, non-executive directors often struggle with when to take charge, when to partner with top management, and when to stay out of the way. Um, there's a famous saying of uh, nose in, fingers out. Uh, the idea there is that uh, executive or non-executive non directors need to be aware of what the firm is doing, where it's going, how it's performing, but to stay out of day-to-day -day managerial, tactical, and operational details. Not all directors honor that um, that that truism, and if you are presenting to directors and um, uh, some director starts digging into the nits and nats uh, of operational details, 
um, that can be a form of dysfunction within the board and can be a very tricky place for not only the executives but uh, the uh, compliance expert who might be interacting with them. Uh, And what I I found also in practice, just from giving my own presentations to, to board members, is when there's a foundation of objective results, meaning this was the plan agreed to, right? So imagine it's a presentation on just the plan. Well, why do I even believe the plan is even accurate, it's reasonable, it's complete? Why do I believe that? Well, based on, in in a very short way, bullet point, I based it on ABC standards, I based it on da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and this has been a collaborative effort. So the level of confidence in that presentation to board members goes way up when they know that it's not been a guessing game on my part to execute work and then what I'm going to measure the results of that work product. And then at the end of the day, when when the results are in, meaning effective, ineffective, et cetera, um, I go through that same scenario. The reason why the conclusion was reached by me and the team and, and the management has agreed to this conclusion as well is ABC, and oh, by the way, this other slide, which summarizes the 25 questions that the AICPA, which is considered the gold standard of guidance for for audit committee members to measure my performance, I just was proactive and I just put the answers right here on the slide sheet. (laughs) It it creates a a level of confidence saying, oh, you know, she, she... She's already told me what I'm supposed to measure her on based on not what she thinks I need to measure on, but the AICPA already published a book called, you know, um, Audit Committee Toolkit for Public Companies. And she's basing that. So, it's again, I, I try to go to the objective source because I'm trying to put myself in their shoes, which is, well, again, trust but verify. Well, how do I know that this is verifiable information or how do I know that this is even, you know, um, play, why should I play, place a high level of confidence on this information? That's, that, those are some great uh, insights, Sonia. Uh, I, would, I would qualify that by uh, the notion that these non-executive directors are, are part-timers and they might be spending 60 or 80 hours a year uh, with this corporation, and, but the executives might be working 60 or 80 hours a week. And so they will never know in great, as great depth as the executives do about how the organization operates, the ins and outs of the strategy. Um, and so uh, I, talking with directors, they often say, I feel like I'm drinking water from a fire hydrant. Uh, there's just so much information, and uh, uh, I don't have the context or the detail. And so um, compliance experts can go a long way towards giving them confidence that, uh, uh, well, there's been a lot of attention to low probability, high consequence events that, that speak up and and uh, uh, hurt, the, hurt the organization. And Compliance experts can be really helpful in um, helping to avoid future uh, surprises. In general, boards don't like to be surprised. I, uh, yeah, I think uh, it goes for parents, board members, <laughs> and also <laughs> executives. Now, I wanted to, to kind of go back to to your research. Um, what do you hope to achieve in publishing research on the, the director selection process? 
Okay, so I have several uh, objectives in doing this. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to make the process more transparent and widely understood. Uh, currently, it's very mysterious. Um, there's there's some anecdotes, but no systematic research about how this actually happens. Interestingly, it's changing quite a bit, too. In these days of uh, uh, LinkedIn, um, some firms are beginning to actually do their recruiting through LinkedIn, bypassing the recruiting firms um, and maybe and being forced to bypass uh, the old boys network as the uh, regulators get more involved. So transparency and understanding is the first point. Secondly, uh, I, like a lot of people, would like to see new talent and perspectives being brought into the boardroom. Uh, there's tremendous discussion right now in a boardroom diversity, and um, shareholder activists, regulators, the SEC, uh, non-governmental organizations are all interested in diversifying uh, the talent and perspectives in the boardroom. We need to see more women. We need to see more minorities. We need uh, the, the uh, society is becoming more diverse, and the boardroom needs to diversify as well. And so my hope is that by making the recruitment process coming into the board more clear and transparent, um, that that will facilitate that process. Ultimately, I hope that I, by shedding light on this mysterious process, that it will make corporate boards more effective. And finally, I have my academic role. Um, I'm hoping to generate some new theory on how the recruiting process works. Already I'm discovering the way you recruit directors is very, very different than the way you recruit executives for a firm, for instance. And um, so I'd like to contribute some insights as to why that might be different. And, and that's what really, especially on that new theory point in terms of your objectives, caught my attention um, during the presentation. And then I, I really like the fact that you've you've really put out there in terms of your objectives, like more transparency, like what, how is this really happening? What's the nuts and bolts? And then the new talent piece, it's not just age it's, it, and, and race, but it's also international backgrounds, um, um, f different fields uh, of expertise, right? So-and-so's got a great background in IT security versus so-and-so who's got a great background in terms of, you know, FDA compliance, et cetera. And <clears throat> what I have found in those diverse just backgrounds in terms of subject matter expertise, um, people who are in their A-game are very uh, good logical thinkers and problem solvers. But but they allow the rest of the group to understand how they view the problem. They can communicate that. And the net effect, what I've seen in board meetings that, that work really effectively is um, the net result is they get to the solution faster. <clears throat> you yes. know, it doesn't drag on and on and on about more data, more data to, to come up to the result of the decision. Um, that collaborative A-game players with, you know, diversity in terms of a, a bunch of different aspects of diversity, again, gender, age, et cetera, and then subject matter expertise, really um, pop out to me when I see that and go, whoa, this is this company is going to go somewhere because I can just see in this one 
session, how they talk, how they interact with each other. I've seen good, good, what I call good pushback, which is, I don't, I don't understand why that's an issue for you, Mr. So and So, because I, I, I'm not seeing it that way. You know, help me understand what the the major risk is, and that's the pushback. And I like that dynamic in boards because it tells me that no one's just going to be a yes person. Right, and 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 that I've seen more often than I would like care to, uh, you know, state. And then this new theory objective, I would love to see that. And you're right, LinkedIn. I've actually have been solicited via LinkedIn recently um, because of my background, and more importantly, because of my appointment by the Securities Exchange Commission on a new advisory committee called the Advisory uh, Committee. It's for smaller and emerging companies. So the, this um, bypassing of, let's say, a recruiter, you know, call it uh, uh, Corn Ferry or, you know, any of those boutique firms that do it, um, w- what I'm finding is th- they, may ha- they may agree to a firm because no one gets fired by picking a firm, but then they do their own due diligence and then they tell that firm, oh, by the way, here's kind of my short list, you know, and, and let's see what you come up with as well. So I think that's what what's happening in social media in terms of LinkedIn in particular. Um, and and I, I would really love to see when it's finished. We, we, we definitely have to promote that, and we'll promote it uh, later as well on, on Block Talk and other avenues, you know, where they can find you, where, where, where they can find other research um, items that you've worked on. And I'm really um, excited for, for you in terms of this research project. project. Now, um, I love asking this question to, to a lot of our guests. Everyone has a story about how they got to their you know, career path. Can you tell us what drew you to the academic profession and, more importantly, you know, the field of corporate governance? Okay, well, it's a great question, and um, uh, I enjoy uh, explaining this because I feel very fortunate. I, in a nutshell, I feel like I'm paid to learn and help other people learn. Um, in my role as an academic, I am a teacher and a researcher, and um, in the teaching function, I'm helping others to learn, and in the research, I'm learning, and so... Um, uh, I can't imagine doing any other career, so I'm uh, extremely happy. And I've been doing it for 25 years, and I'm still having fun. So uh, things are going well. Uh, in terms of background, I originally got a degree in uh, engineering. Um, I didn't know uh, what I wanted to do in the future. I was good in math and science, so I got an engineering degree. I went to work in a strategic planning department of a Fortune 200 firm, in the 1980s, um, basically because I was good with statistics and computers, um, did that for a number of years, and then resolved I wanted to start my own business. So I went back and I got an MBA with the intention of uh, studying some industries and figuring out what business would be fun or interesting. And along the way, in the first year of that MBA program, I discovered uh, I didn't really have a pressing need to start a new organization, but I really wanted to be my own boss. And I got to know some of the professors there at the school and discovered um, they, as long as they produced in the classroom and in the research, they were largely left to home. They were, they were their own boss. So uh, I entered a Ph.D. program immediately after my MBA program, um, and today, uh, I consider myself 
of, of an entrepreneur basically of ideas where I sell those ideas in the classroom and create new ideas ideas in my research. Um, so that's how I came to become an academic in terms of my interest in corporate governance. When I was pursuing my Ph.D. program, my concentration was strategy and my support area was business ethics. I've always been interested in value-laden aspects of strategy. And those two interests kind of converge with corporate governance, with deals with big-picture issues, uh, but also a lot of ethical uh, value-laden uh, aspects related to business. So I did my doctoral dissertation on the board's involvement in strategic decision-making here in the U.S. I traveled around and talked with CEOs and chairs and inside directors about how that process happens. And then I got interested in the international corporate uh, aspects when I did my Fulbright stint in Russia, and I got to see firsthand how um, corporate boards in Russia could uh, overcome a very dysfunctional business environment and actually do quite well. So um, that, in a nutshell, is how I came to become an academic and interested in corporate governance. It's an amazing background and path, and I like the way you've used the word fun um, because people have asked me, you know, how I got into the field I am, and it was actually a professor, uh, and and I have a video on it on my founder story uh, video, and it, uh, it it was a university professor that got me going and motivated to do what I what I do and uh, what I think I do best. <laughs> Everybody has a calling, and um, mm-hmm. it, it's nice to hear your story and your path. And I, I think that when um, most uh, practitioners, in you know, working in the field, meet um, academic folks, um, you know, it, it's usually a positive sign. Meaning, we all have our um, conclusions that we might uh, base on our own experience. But when a professor kind of says, "Look," I've looked at a lot of aggregate data, okay? So it either confirms or it allows us to question our own beliefs because maybe we were very biased, you know? Mm -hmm. And even auditors can be biased towards, you know, reaching a wrong conclusion because it's just based on our limited experience or our limited viewpoint. Um, So I'm very grateful to, to first off, having you on the show, but more importantly, um, you know, having someone like you that's having fun and uh, having a great career teaching others and and the seller of ideas, if you will, especially when it comes to corporate governance. We definitely need more people like you, Bill. Well, this has been, I I really believe, in a truly insightful interview, Bill, and I'm confident our listeners gained a lot of value from your perspective. Thank you, Bill, again for coming on our radio show. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, this is Sonia Luna, CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum, signing off.